Joe Nash on Live 95. May Mannix, who is Director of Public Health here in the Limerick region in the Midwest, and also Sarah O'Connell, who's a consultant in infectious diseases. Uh, you're both welcome. Good morning to you. Um, the, the important message, I think, May, that you want listeners to uh, appreciate this morning is that we might be going in the right direction, but we're far from clear of this situation locally. Yeah, that's exactly true, Joe. Um I think we we obviously have made progress in the last number of weeks, as Philip Nolan has said. But in Limerick, for instance, as you said, there are cases were 70 on the 27th of January. And, you know, in November, we were looking at daily case rates of maybe 15 to 20. So we're still four or five times higher than that. So we have a bit of a way to go. And um, I suppose the other factor to consider is that, as you said, the contact tracing, um, just to explain that a little bit more, what's happening um, today from today again is it's not that contact tracing actually stopped. Contact tracing happened the whole time. You know, in other words, uh, anybody who was identified as a close contact was contacted and given the advice to um, restrict their movements and so on. But the change that's happening is that our close contacts will again be offered testing. So. Um, we will start today offering every close contact a test at day five. And because we haven't been doing that for the last number of weeks, it means that we've actually been underestimating, um, you know, the actual number of cases there. Um, I, I myself have spoken to a good number of people who have said, you know, I was identified as a close contact. I wasn't tested because... Um, there was no testing of close contacts, but I did have symptoms and I, um, you know, I isolated myself for 10 days and so on. So we could actually see a bit of a jump in the numbers because of this re- resumption, but it will give us a more complete picture. But that would mean, wouldn't it, um, if you take uh, the 14-day um, uh, incidents um, in Limerick, for example, which I think is still well over 600 per 100,000, yeah. and the general discussion seems to be that in order to have any chance of moving from level five, the national incidents would need to be under 300, maybe lower than that if you could uh, manage it, uh, that uh, the jump in numbers will be a setback when people start seeing the raw data? Well, um, you know, I think we have to focus on people. We have made great progress, and you can see that people are adhering in the main to public health guidelines, and I think we have to focus on that, Joe. Um, Obviously, our numbers are still far too high, um, and Sarah will speak to the hospital situation in the community we're still seeing, you know, very large number of outbreaks, even new outbreaks occurring last week in nursing homes and residential care facilities. Um, and uh, in workplace, we had 40 incidents over the last couple of weeks that we had to investigate. So there's an awful lot still going on. And I think it's just we need people to redouble their efforts over the next few weeks. We really need to get down to much lower numbers so that we can reduce, obviously, the incidence, the death rate, the stress that's been on the hospital system and uh, the community services. And again, we have to complement all the frontline workers, um, those in the community who have been doing the testing, the, um, all, all those in the hospital, the frontline workers there. 
and uh, you know people are working nursing homes um, they've done a fantastic job trying to manage the situation but you know you can't keep that pace up uh, over a long period so it's, yeah but it's what's interesting important. is that Neffet themselves are saying that they're surprised that the general public have managed to strict to strictly adhere to the measures for longer than they expected in January. But I certainly know from talking to people this week that they found it very, very difficult this week, maybe because the Taoiseach made that announcement about the 5th of March for Level 5, and even after that, clearly we're going to be in high-level restrictions for much longer. And as a consequence, people do feel that their lives are really on hold. Yes, I, th- I think, you know, they are, Joe, we all are. Um, but, you know, I suppose we're making progress and we have the vaccine coming on stream. And as you know, all of our nursing homes now have had their first jab, our one nursing home, but um, and are on to the second um, dose of the vaccine. And a good number of our healthcare workers are starting to get their second dose of vaccine. So there is hope at the end of all of this, but we really have to just keep it up um, for the next couple of months, as you said. And um, I suppose, to be fair, when the opinion, sur- the opinion polls are done, people do understand that it's necessary. I know it's tiring, but, you know, we will get there. Right. Uh, Sarah O'Connell, as I mentioned, consultant in infectious diseases, also um, with us. Uh, just on this issue where the data coming through to Neffet doesn't suggest in the raw figures that people in hospitals are sicker than they were in previous waves. But a lot of what's coming from people treating them on the ground suggests that it is actually the case, Sarah. Thanks, Joe. I think um, what it suggests is that we have such a high community prevalence and have such a high rate of transmission within the community that our rates that are coming into the hospital, it's the most unwell people who are coming in through the hospital that require acute care. So, you know, it's the the type of care for the patient has changed in that, you know, a higher level of ventilation is needed for the patients in the hospital. And as such, the patients are quite unwell. But you're quite right. It doesn't appear thus far that the severity of the infection is higher with, for example, new circulating variants, you know. Yeah, and uh, Professor Brian Lenehan was explaining to us a couple of weeks ago about the different levels that uh, you have within the hospital group uh, to deal with uh, COVID. What level are you at at the moment? What's the situation like in ICU and critical care and generally? Yeah, our um, our critical care block is busy, and um, we have you know extend our our high dependency unit is what we would say at full capacity, as is our intensive care unit. Not all the patients in the unit, um, you know, do have COVID infection, but the majority do, and this is something that we did prepare for, and it is as we expected. Um, a few weeks ago, we were concerned that our numbers in the critical care block would rise, and they have. Okay, so where are you today then? Um, so, we, you know, I would say we're at, when I say we're at full capacity, there are, if, for example, somebody needs to come into the unit for care, it is possible for them to do that. So we haven't required to, what we say, surge to a higher level from a critical care perspective at the moment, and we continue to be able to manage with that. 
And so are you at level D, as Professor Lenahan said to us a couple of weeks um, ago? See, our critical care, we would be at our second surge, but we haven't gone into the third surge. But on a hospital level, we would be at level D. So thankfully, we've been able to continue on, you know, try time critical surgery and emergency surgery and all the things that are absolutely necessary to provide safe patient care. Right. So just explain that to me, Sarah. If somebody comes in and needs to be in the ICU this morning, where do they go? Um, well, obviously, when they come in, they're in the emergency department and if someone requires a high level of care, they would be in a certain part of the emergency department that is able to do that. And then if a patient is required for the intensive care unit, what happens is that there's a plan in place, for example, if somebody is suitable for discharge out of the intensive care unit to even the high dependency unit, then a bed space can be made available that way. I mean, it's a never-changing um, picture and a process that really the ICU consultants are very heavily involved with, you know. Right. But you would never have seen, even at this level, you're managing it, but you'd never have seen it under this strain. Oh, no, not at all. And and just to echo, I mean, what May has been saying there, I mean, we still have 100 patients with COVID-19 positive in the hospital. But what's happened now, and we're seeing this across the hospitals in the country and internationally, is that there's a large number of patients who unfortunately um, were unwell with COVID infection who need extra time to recover. They're not well enough to go home. So these patients really have, you know, are recovered from COVID-19 or require ongoing care and require ongoing hospital care. So the hospital is still extremely busy and is under, you know, the staff are under pressure to continue to provide care to these patients. Right, that's interesting. So they've been delisted as COVID-19 because they've got through it, but they're still in the hospital. Some of them, yeah. Because, right. you know, it takes time for people to recover. And I think people even who've been home unwell with COVID who never needed to come to hospital, a lot of people will say it takes it takes weeks for people to feel better, you know. Yeah. Um, Professor Philip Nolan was pretty strong last night on zero COVID. Sounded like a man to me who had been listening yeah. to this talk of a zero COVID strategy all week and had certainly had something to say um, <laughs> on it, which basically was it's a false promise and yeah. almost saying don't get sucked in. Now, obviously, you're a, a consultant in infectious diseases. So what's your view? I think it's an aspiration and I think it is ideally where we should go. I think um, the circulating variants, you know, we've learned a lot about the virus and about transmissibility of the infection. And a big problem with COVID, actually, I think people have to remember, is that people can transmit the infection before they know they have it. And so, with, despite all the efforts that have happened, you know, across the country with respect to screening, contact tracing, isolation, everything the public have done and everything the hospitals have done, this will remain a problem as long as we have circulating virus. And so, at this stage, I think that it is something that we should aim towards, but perhaps it's aspirational. Yeah. It's amazing how jumpy you get, though. I had a bizarre experience in a shop yesterday where a young guy wearing a mask, I was wearing a mask too, um, came towards me and I thought he was going to a shelf behind me. So I'm backing away. He keeps coming at me. I'm backing away. He keeps coming at me. By the end of it, I'm almost up against the wall. And he actually was coming over to ask a question, which, you know, was absolutely fine, although I didn't have the answer for him. Um, But at the same time, I was amazed at how edgy I was about an interaction that 12 months ago would have been just normal. That's absolutely right. And when we think back now, even to how we might have held meetings within the hospital and all our processes within the hospital that have all had to completely change. And I think to some degree, you know, with respect to 
people's, um, I suppose, hygiene and infection control and all those things. You know, there's lessons to be learned out of this as well. But uh, no, absolutely, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And Dr. May Mannix, the vaccine rollout, you know, obviously there's an impact nationally. We've been hearing uh, about that from the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly. I presume that that will have uh, um, a slowing effect locally as well on the rollout. Well, um, well, hopefully we will see AstraZeneca, that vaccine hopefully will be approved today by the European Medicines Agency. There are issues about the supply, as you say. Um, but I think, you know, to be honest, it's been going well so far. Um, and um, we're actually performing um, pretty high in the league table in the European terms, um, in terms of how we've done well, you know, in terms of the vaccine rollout. So I think we just have to work with the supply we have and do the best we can, Joe. Um, but so so you do know, you think it will slow down into February and March? Well, I suppose it depends on... Um, it seems that there is an issue with supply, but... Um, you know, in in ways that's almost outside yeah. our control. Because the British wiped the EU's eye. It's clearly what <laughs> happened. Um, and, you know, that's that's the battle. They're not in the European Union anymore. Um, and, 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 you know, in terms of the over 65s and the suggestion from um, Germany that this AstraZeneca vaccine may not be effective in over 65s. Yeah, I think, again, the European Medicines Agency will make their own determination on that today. Um, it's, you know, I think the issue is that the German authorities felt there wasn't enough evidence to say whether it was effective or not. In other words, the numbers in the trials of over 65s was small. That doesn't mean it's not effective, you know what I'm saying. But um, I think we have to wait for the determination of the European Medicines Agency. That would be disappointing, obviously, if if they feel that's not appropriate. But... Um, I guess we just have to work with whatever determination they make. All right. Well, listen, we're at, in a better place, certainly, than we were at the start of the month, although the death rates just this month have been just horrendous and, and uh, clearly they're um, going to continue to be for a while. Um, and uh, finally, before you go, I presume both of you want to confirm you weren't the winners of the eight and a half million in the lottery this week. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Don't think we'd be talking to you, Joe. <laughs> no, no, no. And if I won it, I wouldn't be talking to you either. <laughs> All right, listen, well done to you guys and to all the team there uh, and uh, keep it up. Thank you both for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, That's uh, Dr. May Mannix there, who's Director of Public Health Midwest, and Dr. Sarah O'Connell, Consultant in Infectious Diseases. Much more to come. Call Limerick Today now.